Hello and welcome to the Winning a Business podcast. If you're an existing listener, you may have noticed we've taken a break for a few months and you might be expecting series five of Hitting the Wall podcast. We took some time out to focus on the business and it became clear that it was time to refresh things on the podcast with more focus on what winning looks like. Still inspired by my best-selling book, Hitting the Wall, we're going to talk all things winning and what's involved to win at business. In my time as a professional tennis coach, I never once coached a racket or a ball. It was always the player. Business is no different. It's a game, one you can win or lose. Our episodes will focus on what's involved in playing the game of business effectively, and most importantly, how to win. Each episode will be a conversation with me, alongside my co-host and producer, Shirley Heron, an experienced owner and coach herself. From buying psychology to overcoming internal barriers to marketing and building your team, we'll aim to cover all aspects of what's involved to play the game to the best of your ability. So sit back and listen to these short, sharp, punchy episodes. And please let us know what you think and what topics you'd like us to cover. Hi, everyone. So on this week's episode of the Winning at Business podcast, uh, which is going out the week of the 18th of May, I believe, we're going to talk about mental health. It's Mental Health Awareness Week. And I thought it'd be useful to have a conversation around the different challenges that mental health can bring us. Uh, it's something I've had to deal with myself uh, on a number of occasions. Uh, I've talked about it at depth in my book, Hitting the Wall, um, how uh, I went to the doctors because I, I wasn't sleeping very well um, seemed to be lying in bed with palpitations all the time. And my doctor looked at me uh, and said, you know, you're, you're suffering with depression. And I looked behind me because I thought he was talking to someone else. And I was in this real sort of place of denial, I suppose. And, and it's, it's always been something that's a, a stigma, I guess, for many people. But now I think society is much more open to the conversation and uh, the fact that Mental Health Awareness Week uh, exists is, is a positive thing. And I don't want this podcast to be uh, anything that's, you know, full of doom and gloom, but just to have a, a chat uh, around what's out there, maybe what some of the signs might be, the spectrum along which uh, mental health sits in terms of individuals and um, you know, society as a whole. I'm normally, as you know, joined... Um, by Shirley. Shirley's going through her own challenges at the moment, not, not so much mental, but physical. She's had a, uh, an operation, so is convalescing from that. Um, so I'm sure she'd appreciate any messages if people want to reach out to her and say hello. She's fuming now listening to this, thinking that I'm embarrassing her. Um, but yeah, so instead, I've invited um, uh, someone I know through Kingston University, in fact, who's, who's on the um, Help to Grow program there, uh, a real authority on mental health who has a business helping um, other people with their mental health in the, um, the corporate space, I guess. But he'll, he'll be better able to explain what he does. So, um, Matt Butler, how are you? Welcome to the show. Hi there, Ash. Thanks very much. So do you want to do you want to just briefly tell people because I'm sure I did an awful job of introducing you there, but just tell <laughs> people what um, you know what what you do your your specialism if you like what what's the change you're kind of making in the world in in the workplace especially. 
Yes, Ash, th th thanks very much. It was a lovely introduction. Thank you. Um, so yeah, I'm uh, Matt Butler. Uh, I'm from uh, Plan A Health Consulting Limited. Uh, I'm a mental health professional. Um, I'm a mental health nurse uh, by, by my background. Uh, and um, what we do is we help businesses get better at managing for mental health um, uh, by working with businesses to help them create bespoke solutions uh, for their uh, workplace and their working environment to improve the mental health um, uh, 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 in the workplace so that um, we're taking more of a proactive well-being uh, kind of approach rather than uh, waiting for the possible negative side of, of mental health when people may burn out or go off sick. Um, so the uh, the uh, overall um, business benefits are, uh, you know, increasing engagement of the workforce, uh, you know, reducing absenteeism, reducing presenteeism, where people turn up, but they don't sort of bring their full selves possibly to work. And um, uh, yeah, working um, to generally yeah, establish more of an awareness of the importance of, of mental mental health and how businesses can can benefit from that, uh, yeah, leaving sort of business owners feeling more confident that they're able to uh, to manage uh, with mental health. So, you know, particularly relevant coming out of lockdown with all of the um, emphasis which uh, uh, which you know has been brought into the mental health space. Um, it seems like uh, uh, the tide has maybe turned a little bit. And people are uh, more willing to talk about these things, and uh, 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 and we're we're here to help people realise those benefits. I, I mean, it's, it's interesting you say that because I think um, you're right. People have had maybe too much time alone to be introspective and think about stuff, um, and that can that can take people down some quite dark and difficult places I guess when you when you spend too much time alone especially if you don't like the person you you see in the mirror and I, I just wonder you know when it comes to business especially because you know uh, we, we've got business owners that listen to this and you know what you're talking about here may be as impactful to a three-person business as a 3,000 or 30,000 person business what what do you think in, in your experience is the, the kind of hidden cost, I guess, that is perhaps less hidden now, that, that maybe, you know, we're able to quantify that stems from, uh, you know, people being ill. And, and it, you know, the, the big challenge for me is that if someone breaks a bone, I mean, I've got a client at the moment who managed to put his arm in a rug machine and I don't know how he did it. He's not really sure how he did it. We laugh about it, but he's injured. His, his arm's in a cast. He can't go out on the tools. You know, and no one judges him. They might laugh at him a little bit, and rightly so, but he's not being judged. It's mm. a physical injury that everybody can see. But, and, and, and there is a cost to that, to the business and, and to the things that he's able to do personally as well. And that's a very open cost. But when we're dealing with, injuries that we can't see what are the costs that perhaps we're, we're more open to sort of recognizing as being impactful on people and the businesses within them uh, yeah i mean there's uh, been, there have been some studies into uh, quantifiable costs of um uh, of um uh, mental 
the ill health uh, in the workplace, which I'll, I'll, I can get onto. But the, um, the the unseen costs, I think, are um, uh, th those areas of people's personal lives and personal experience uh, in the in the workplace, which they may end up, you know, taking stuff home with them very often. Uh, which um, you know affects how they how they see the world, how they're feeling about the world, how they're feeling about themselves, uh, and um, you know can have sort of you know significant negative reverberations throughout their family or the other or other bits of their um, their social support network. Um, so that if um, uh, you know the the, the greater the, the level of uh, realization and understanding of mental health in the workplace. Um, then the uh, you know the, the 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 less impact these kinds of um, uh, feelings of stigma uh, may have um, in, uh, on people who are, are suffering mental health problems. And one way to look at that is to see the the whole of uh, mental health as as a continuum, basically. Uh, so you talk about physical health. Um, there uh, often there is a link between physical health and, and mental health. If you're feeling under the weather, you've got a bit of a cold or flu or something like that. Very often you might feel a little bit down as well. You know, you don't really feel like socializing. You don't feel like, um, you know, you're at the top of your game. Um, so uh, I, I think there is a, a correlation really between physical health and mental health very often. Uh, and we're very used to compartmentalizing off the mental health bit and not talking about it, but it's actually uh, much more useful to to really get stuff out there and for people to talk about how they're feeling, where you know where, where they feel comfortable, able to do so, psychologically safe enough to do so, um, and um, uh, and to start you know examining that in the same way that you might look at this um, uh, the guy stuck his arm in the uh, inadvertently in the uh, in the machine um, because uh, uh, yeah it's um, uh, it's, again it's part of that continuum so you could start off with a physical health problem as we have done with with covid and then that has um, uh, negative um, uh, impacts on on mental health as well and of course covid itself long covid has those symptoms as well of um, you know impacting uh, people's mental health um, along with all the general insecurity that, that we have. So I think for many, many years, uh, we've been in denial a little bit about uh, the impact of mental health, that uh, some businesses are um, uh, maybe, um, uh, you know, they, if they can't physically, it can't physically be proven, they may be slightly suspect about, uh, about mental health conditions, mm -hmm. because it's something they can't see, uh, but it's just as real, just as impactful, uh, and actually, when you look at the stats, just as life threatening as um, uh, as uh, uh, physical illness, um, because mental illness, you know, can, it does shorten people's lives. So let, let's talk about those stats then. So are there, are there numbers that kind of provide evidence for, you know, how many days people are off or the cost to the economy or I mean, I know, I know these are just like numbers and we can we can, you know, unpick stats to make them show what we want to a degree but it, it there must be some sort of collated evidence now that shows the impact yeah uh, so according to the research which was undertaken by Deloitte originally uh, from research which was done in 2017 and then it was refreshed and republished in 2020 uh, just before the uh, uh, before the uh, pandemic um, 
it's it shows that on average the cost of mental health uh, to uh, to businesses equates to around about 1600 pounds per em employee uh, per year um uh, for for each uh, uh, across the board for different kinds right. of businesses and that cost is made up through uh, as an average of um uh, absentee uh, you know days off sick uh, presenteeism, so potential um, increases in productivity that the, that people could have, and uh, you know um, any sort of the cost of any measures that are put in place uh, once the uh, once the the horse has bolted, as it as it were, yeah. when thing remedial things need to be put in place to correct that. Um, so yeah, so that could add up. Um, uh, so you know, do, do the math, as they say. You know, it's, if it's a sixteen hundred pounds per employee per annum, uh, you know, yeah, you got sixteen thousand pounds if you've got ten, uh, one hundred sixty thousand um, pounds potentially if you've got a, a hundred um, uh, employees. And, and so that that's kind of like the data from one source, if you like, which is fine. And I'm sure there are other sources out there. But what 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 anecdotal data are you coming across in terms of your experience when you're working with people who are suffering um, from various mental health situations, but also the businesses that you're speaking to? Um, you know, there's a reason you started this business, so you're obviously seeing correlation between the two and, uh, and an impact. What what do you see day to day that perhaps people listening to this might go, oh? I've got an employee who's showing those traits and I haven't really connected the two things. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely, Ash. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of, um, uh, you know, uh, unrecognised build-up of burnout in the workplace and burnout is um, pretty much indistinguishable from depression, really, when, when, when people uh, hit the point of burnout. It means that they're emotionally burnt out, they can't uh, really function uh, any longer so it, it, if employers are, are experiencing um, employees where possibly their their work productivity productivity has dropped off and their performance has dropped off uh, but they're still turning up at work uh, every day um, and perhaps they're a little bit more uh, seeming a little bit more stressed or a bit more uh, sensitive than, than maybe they have been then these are definite signs of burnout and this is something which uh, you know you can tackle uh, with the right kind of strategy for your workplace um, by addressing um, uh, policies and, uh, and procedures, so that you're able to to um, assess for burnout before it becomes too much of a problem, and create an environment in which uh, burnout is, is is less likely to happen. Um, uh, uh, by monitoring uh, people, checking in with people um having that greater awareness of um uh, of mental health in the workplace uh, you're able to 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 see off those things because uh, once someone is um you know uh, off sick with uh, with sort of chronic burnout or um or, or depression you know which can turn into a depressive illness uh then that can um uh, be that person out of operation for a, a considerable period of time and could be really expensive if they're a key person uh, as you know, people suffering burnout often are because they take on, they tend to be the kind of personality that might take on more work than other people, uh, more more responsibility. Then that can be really damaging to a business. Uh, absolutely, you know, key people go missing. 
another area is um, um, very topical, which is uh, the under um, realization of uh, problems like ADHD in the workplace. Um, so uh, ADHD is um, uh, attention deficit disorder. Um, so um, what we're finding is that there's a there's been a a, a, a real under um, reporting of ADHD and under recognition really probably by mainstream psychiatric services that adult ADHD exists uh, and this can be uh, completely debilitating for people in the workplace if um, uh, uh, very you know sometimes very talented people um, can if they're put on the wrong kind of job um, something that that they find hard that doesn't fit in with their profile their sort of uh, attention deficit profile then uh, they're being set up to fail very often uh, and so that um, uh, aspect of, uh, uh, of the, the the resource uh, that, that you could have with someone with attention deficit disorder uh, is being being missed basically um, so there's still a lot of um, even in mainstream NHS mental health services uh, a lot of um, uh, failure to recognise these uh, some of these issues and um, uh, 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 subsequent, you know, human misery, but also economic <coughs> waste, really, because of that. Uh, people not fitting into the right jobs. Uh, you've said um, a word a number of times um, that I've picked up on, which is environment. So, I guess two questions. Uh, well, I've got so many questions, but two questions to start with. One is, how how do you, so for, for people who are listening who are business owners, who, who are perhaps worried about the welfare, uh, the well-being of their, their teams, how do you create an environment that is uh, psychologically safe in order that people can feel comfortable maybe talking about this or bringing this to the attention of the people that might be able to support them with it for example yeah i mean i think that the the, the initial approach is for us is to work with business owners and the key people in the business in terms of their policy and then looking at the guidance and the standards which actually exist out there. There is an international standard on um, uh, psychological uh, risk at work, um, so uh, which can sit alongside the uh, HR uh, policies. So I'd want to you know, check through those policies, look at opportunities that exist already. So sometimes, sometimes in a workplace, there's a good uh, social uh, networking uh, culture. Uh, you know, people might meet up regularly to play sports or, or do other things outside of work or, or people um, you know could just meet up socially outside of work sometimes that's a good thing sometimes that's not such a, such a good thing things can go wrong in those kinds of, uh, uh, of situations so it's about sort of trying to get under the skin of that and trying to get a get a feel for that working with a business um, and then looking at um, different solutions that might um, uh, you know, start to uh, uh, put something else in place, something more positive in place. So an idea which uh, we've, we've tried in the past is, is the idea of um, positive gossip. So uh, instead of, um, uh, uh, you know, traditionally office gossip around the water cooler or whatever tends to be, oh, did you hear about so-and-so? And, -so? and it, it's 
usually pretty uh, negative. Yeah. Um, but uh, you could you, you can sort of play games in uh, with this and um, say, okay, we're going to do we're going to gossip, but we're going to only you know the rule is that we're only going to say positive things about people and nice. get workforce engaged in, in positive positive gossip exercises of positive gossip. Uh, you do do some training around around things like that, and do have some uh, uh, you know more stimulating sort of briefer exercises in which people can get the ball rolling, doing doing stuff like that. Um, uh, quite a lot uh, of what we do is around education, provi providing uh, education uh, uh, opportunities for people to learn more about stress at work, mental illness, the signs of uh, uh, of mental illness and burnout and what people can do uh, to put in place to uh, to prevent that and there's a whole variety of, uh, of different creative tools that you can use these days to do that it's just a question of finding the right fit for the right business and the right environment cool and um, it's just fascinating that because there's just obviously so much more that can be done whether you're a big or a small business as i talked about at the beginning to uh, enable the conversation and I guess that's the key thing isn't it is, is enabling the conversation so how do, how do you address that when you know let's say you're uh, I'm very aware that this audience is uh, a lot of them are just smaller businesses lots of owner managers you know small teams what, what are the what are the things that we should be looking for when perhaps the owner of the business the, the, is, is the person who is um, suffering from a mental health illness themselves, but they can't see it. Do you, do you know what I mean? What are, what are the things, I mean, you talked about burnout and that's, you know, very relevant, I believe. Um, I was speaking to my wife several months ago and she went through a stage where her biggest challenge was to make sure that her team were taking all their holidays because they just, didn't see the point because there was nowhere to go and they couldn't go anywhere so they just didn't take holidays um, but actually just having time out with the computer off and doing some different things is is, is healthy enough so she had she had kind of had to step in and preempt their burnout by doing that but if you're on your own and you're not part of that corporate structure and it's just you and a couple of maybe remote team workers how do you identify where you're at on any given day and what you can do to kind of head off potential burnout or um, any other illnesses. Yeah, I, it's a really difficult area if you're a business owner or business leader in, in that role, because, um, you know, you're almost hardwired for, for that sort of pattern of, of burnout, you know, by having started that, that business in the first place and being in that, in that role. Um, but um, you have to sort of gently prize off the fingers of, uh, of people when they're sort of hanging on to, to these things and people need you know to step back a little bit um, you know have the uh, opportunity to, to, to just to speak informally with someone who's um, you know professionally uh, qualified in, in the area and sort of reevaluate um, where they're at and uh, you know look again at, at, the, at their priorities in terms of um, you know, work-life balance. Uh, it may be, um, you know, that sometimes, you know, I've come across certain situations where managers are, are so, you know, they're, they're so anxious about 
the, the business and so anxious about the things that are happening that they fall into the trap of micromanaging situations. And of course, the point of, of being a business leader of, or, or, or um, you know, in, uh, business owner in that, that kind of role is that uh, you're free to to uh, to get other people to, to just work, and um, you know, so it's probably about reevaluating where that person is, uh, and, and we can do that through a variety of means. Uh, you know, applying different psychological um, uh, tests, psychometric tests, uh, looking at um, uh, you know how people might be responding from uh, uh, things like the Myers Briggs or or other. Um, uh, sort of well-known workplace uh, tests, um, which have got some uh, le level of objectivity, uh, in order to to sort of reevaluate where where that person's at, and um, uh, 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 make sure that they're um, thinking about you know how to be where they really want to be, rather than uh, you know burning themselves out and uh, uh, doing themselves you know long-term damage basically. Uh, and maybe sometimes they're damaging the business as well inadvertently through doing that. Yeah, that's something I see a lot is people holding on for dear life to everything in the business, even though they've got a team. And you're having to deal with the stress of feeling like nobody can do, their, do the job you've asked them to do better than you and not actually creating time and space because you're trying to do everything on top of them doing everything as well, which is kind of a, a route to um, not a very good place. I yes. Think. Well, I mean, it, you know, it, it must have, um, uh, you know, in your own line, line of work, uh, you know, as a sports, uh, as a sportsman as well, uh, you must be able to see that um, uh, sort of link between, uh, you know, doing something you love and then, uh, you know, that, that actually turning into a business and uh, um, doing something which, becomes a, a must do and a must um, you know improve on rather than uh, uh, the, doing it for the joy of um, uh, of you know playing a sport for instance um, where you know the outcome you, you 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 care about the outcome but maybe less so than uh, uh, than when your livelihood is dependent on it yeah yeah and I think that was that was a key trigger for me is the realization that the 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 thing that I was great at, that I loved, I no longer liked. Yeah. And that, that, that realisation for me was just like, whoa, okay, this is, this is not a good place to be. And, and uh, you know, fortunately, I had um, a GP who recognised this and actually took the time to listen to me and propose uh, a solution. Um, and, you know, that solution thankfully worked for me and is one that I'm still able to employ and level every, you know, level up every day, not drugs. <laughs> Although yeah. I do recognize that that plays a massive part in some people's um, ability to face normality um, in, in many ways. But for me, it was, um, I don't know, I was lucky just the solution I came, you know, that, I, that was put in front of me worked. And, and I don't feel... I think the important thing is I don't feel like any less of a person because I had some, you know, um, had some CBT, you know, some therapy and because I was able to talk to somebody and find a solution for the illness that I had. And 
that didn't diminish me. If anything, it made me stronger because being able to deal with it and recover from it and strengthen those muscles, if you like, because I'll always come back to that, means that I'm one more likely to recognize when I'm dropping into that space uh, in the first place, but also I'm far better able to deal with it because I'm more self-aware. And I, and I think that that's something that we dismiss too easily that just because you're ill and people can't see it doesn't mean that you're broken it just means you're ill and that there are solutions and that taking those solutions whatever that form might be is okay you know is no different from putting a cast on a broken wrist mm. from having some codeine because you've got a headache um, having a bath because you've got sore muscles after training. You know, they're all just solutions to a problem, aren't they? And, absolutely, and so. absolutely. And uh, yes, I mean, you mentioned, uh, you know, me uh, medication a little while ago. That might be on the uh, the, the harder edge of, uh, you know, uh, possibly more serious um, uh, mental illness. But uh, e even there, you know, um, lots of medications these days are... The <laughs> They've got a, a bit of a bad backstory sometimes, you know, there's a bit of a bad reputation or fear sometimes uh, about around antidepressants. Most most of the stuff that's available today is really good. You know, it's quite um, uh, the very low side effects and it's highly effective, shown to be highly effective. There are some problems there. And of course, people should probably try other uh, solutions first, including uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, or, or just exercise or sometimes just simple things like getting out of the out of the house especially you know post lockdown so we have to uh, experience daylight in order to produce vitamin d and um, vitamin d uh, lack of vitamin d can be implicated uh, in, um, in in case of depression so you know getting out of the house getting you know half an hour's daylight in the morning half an hour's daylight in the afternoon walking the dog or just going just going out for a uh, for a walk is is, is essential uh, you know just looking after ourselves in terms of our nutrition uh, you know getting some regular exercise doing you know even gentle exercise like yoga uh, things like that that can all help uh, ease up uh, the burden of, of stress especially yoga yoga is great for um, uh, as a stress buster uh, and even if you if you don't do hatha yoga or the pranayama breathing techniques or anything like that uh, there's something called yoga nidra which you can do which uh, which while you're falling asleep <laughs> uh, so uh, you know there's there, there's always something that you can do in order to to um to put, put in place a, a better stress management and uh, and more adaptive ways of um uh, of approaching uh, you know uh, the stresses of life it's interesting listening to you as a mental health professional so advocating things that I have applied to myself and encourage other people to. I mean, I, you know, I don't give mental health advice because that would be dangerous, but for me, it's just very obvious that doing regular exercise, eating well, getting fresh air two, three times a day, drinking plenty of water, laughing every day <clears throat> is, a, is a big one for me, you know, finding opportunities to, to, to laugh. I mean, nothing beats half an hour of watching Friends because you're going to laugh at some point. And, and 
I think all of those things, in fact, you can actually do laughing yoga now. I've got, um, yes, yeah, yeah. There, there is a form of laugh, laughing yoga. Yeah. yeah. A friend of mine, Pete Can, who, who runs uh, uh, laughing yoga sessions for businesses and stuff like that. And it's, it's really, really well, very well received. Mm-hmm. Um, so, they, and, and the, all of these things on the face of it are, they almost seem inconsequential, but the, the impact. Uh, I, th- I think it, I think it's the sort of the compound impact of not having them. So I know in the winter, for example, it's harder to get sunshine. Um, it's 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 less comfortable going out for a walk morning and afternoon when it's minus two and raining and a bit miserable. Um, you know, your exercise is done indoors and it becomes a bit of a chore. It's harder to eat better food, you know, salads and leaner meats and stuff because you want to just sort of we're predisposed to sort of you know, carving up, if you like, and, and getting a bit heavy at that point, mm. uh, uh, you know, fat storage, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I know that, you know, I struggle a bit in the winter. And so I have to find different ways to kind of a, a, address that. And, and I'm usually much, much happier in the summer. And you alluded to this at the beginning, that, you know, the link between physical and mental health. I know when I'm injured, for instance, and I can't train, um, it does get me quite down because, not just because I can't train and I enjoy training, but because the, the chemicals that are released when I'm training. And, yeah. You know, it's that kind of circle. So I think that's something to be aware of as well, is that there are some incredibly simple solutions that if people just apply regularly as part of their routine, and I'm not talking about necessarily getting up at five o'clock in the morning and you know joining that club and meditating and blah, blah, blah. But if people just apply some simple things on a regular basis, they can stave off um much of the challenges that are faced it's no different no different for stretching like stretching mm-hmm. before a run you know you stretch before a run you're less likely to get injured during that run mm-hmm. so do do some mental stretching every day and you're less likely to get injured i'm yeah. not saying that's a cure-all at all some people have some challenges that are go well beyond the ability of those things to manage and and do need professional help on, on you know on a regular basis and that i guess that's where people like you come in but there is a lot that we can do that's preventative that's very simple definitely and you know i mean often they it is a physical uh, aspect so things like uh, you know breathing to manage anxiety for instance so if you know if you're going to do some uh, uh, yoga uh, yoga exercises you normally have to do some breathing exercises and that uh, that's one of the quickest ways to manage anxiety and it's quicker than any form of medication and of course it's not uh, you know it doesn't run the risk of um, uh, of any side effects basically um, things like walking so when you're walking out in nature your eyes are naturally moving from left to right and that which mimics the action of um, a, a modern therapy which is used for trauma which is emdr which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing if, if you go for a decent walk you're it's equivalent to having a an emdr session as well so you're always sort of working away those um those traumas and stresses um, uh, by doing these things interesting interesting so just to finish off then what would be your i'm struggling to kind of articulate this question in the best way but what would be like your top tip for managing 
mental health in the workplace, whether you are the workplace or you are a manager of several dozen people or the leader of several thousand people? Well, I mean, a lot has been spoken about mindfulness in the in the past few years. You know, it's it's massively grown in in popularity. Um, mindfulness is sort of originates in kind of Buddhist meditation. It's about um, detaching yourself a little bit from what's actually going on, and um, you know, getting more perspective about about what what what's actually happening in the workplace. So these are the things which um, uh, managers and business owners need to do. You need to get a bit of perspective uh, of the business and an overview of the business. So try some a bit of mindfulness practice. Um, uh, you know, you can look stuff up. It's it's all over the place these days. But one one way might be through um, uh, mindful breathing. So you just watch watch the breath. Have a a, a good. Uh, make sure that you're you know inhaling through your nose. You're getting a good uh, lungful of uh, of air. Three or four breaths, and then just count. So in, on each exhalation, count one. Next exhalation, count two, count up to 10. By doing that, if, if at any point you, you, you lose sight of that, you start thinking about, oh, what, am, what are we going to do about this, that or the other? What, what, what are we going to do about um, uh, uh, you know, this customer or, or this business problem? Then draw yourself back and start again. And just try to find that mindful space in which you're more detached, so, so therefore able to apply more objectively uh, an analysis of your business and your, and your work situation. So yeah, do a, a little bit of mindful practice, I think, uh, every day, um, possibly, you know, before, before you start off work um, and before uh, at the end of the day as well. Uh, and an, another good, good practice is, is a yoga a sort of concentration practice to um, at the end of every day try and run through the events of that day um, in chronological order but not get too attached to anything that happens so again this is quite difficult but if you're doing things like yoga you, uh, you can um, uh, start to you know establish uh, techniques for doing it um, the point is that is real is getting that sort of detachment so that you're able to to come at problems and analyze them more objectively and respond to them rather than be constantly in their grip. Um, so yeah, uh, that 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 would be my advice. Uh, it's a mindfulness practice. Brilliant and so simple to do, which is always. A good thing in my book. Simple. Yeah, <laughs> we're we're great at ambushing ourselves, Ash, as I'm sure you realise. You know, we we uh, the mind is fantastic for this. You know, uh, we we will we could establish something like that, and then we come up we come along and trip ourselves up. So uh, yeah, it's that it's the regular practice which which is key, I think, and always coming back to back to it, coming back to the breath, coming back to mindfulness, and uh, you can't force your mind to do these things but you but you can persuade it i think you know to and yeah. drive it down the right down the right uh, path well the brain's very smart but it's also easily influenced it's my view yeah 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 and it just takes that slightest little thought or um, you know slightest distraction and you're off down a pathway yeah. uh, uh, you know jumps on it doesn't it 
Amazing, brilliant. Um, Matt, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, been really interesting. My pleasure. I hope, I hope people listening have found that useful. Um, if you know, if, if anything has sort of not bothered, maybe bothered, but has kind of triggered a, a desire to take action through the people listening, and if people want to reach out to you, what's the easiest way to do that? Uh, so the, the website is um, uh, planA.health. Um, uh, so www.planA.health. Uh, and you can find me on um, so, social media, particularly LinkedIn uh, is my main uh, sort of platform for social media. Um, so yeah, look me up on, on LinkedIn, uh, Matt Butler, uh, Plan A Health Consulting Limited. Brilliant. Amazing. Thank you very much. Um, Matt, I'll see you soon and thank you for joining us. Thanks a lot, Ash. See you. Cheers. You've been listening to Winning at Business. We really hoped you enjoyed this episode. And as always, if you have topics you'd like us to cover, get in touch and we'll do our best to make it happen. Don't forget, you can also get your copy of Hitting the Wall, the book that inspired this podcast from Amazon and other retailers. Bye for now until the next episode.